I'm Wayne Nets with the Richmond Towns Dispatch here with Zach Joaquin. Uh, we're here with another episode of Ramp Talk with the RTD to, to break down VCU season, uh, look back at uh, sort of a glass half full approach and a glass half empty approach to uh, to how VCU played overall this year. Uh, but first, we're going to start with the uh, the Wake Forest game in the NIT. Um, so we talked last week about the Princeton game in the first round. Um, VCU obviously won that game to advance to a Saturday game at Wake Forest. So VCU was seated third, Wake Forest was seated second. So a higher seed, Wake Forest hosted that game and. Um, Wake Forest, we talked about last week, you know, one of the most dangerous offensive teams in the country. Um, they tied for the league league uh, in, in scoring in, in ACC play. Um, and, and it had some really strong transfers led by the, the ACC player of the year in Alanis Williams. So uh, that was always already going to be a challenge. VCU obviously had, had defended some really strong offensive teams uh, already this year, uh, led by like uh, Davidson, um, uh, UMass even Dayton. Um, but that, that was a challenge just with Wake Forest's size. But at the same time, um, VCU kind of kept that game competitive. But, you know, the Achilles Hill again was the, the turnovers quickly in that first half. Um, and then in the second half, the fouling. And, and though VCU kind of stayed within striking distance for most of the game, they just um, had, a, had a rough uh, field goal drought during the final stretch and, and uh, couldn't get quite close enough. And How long was it? Away. Again, nine-something uh, nine, minutes? Nine-thirty-two from like 11-32 to two minutes to, to play. It was painful, too, because there was a lot of fouls in there. Yeah. And so it was it was a very long nine-thirty-two. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was. Wasn't, it was much more than actual nine-thirty-two. It was. It was. Yeah, it was a long game in general because yeah. of that. It's like two, two hours and 17 minutes, so... That's like a overtime game. <laughs> that was a regulation. So so many turnovers in the first half, and then so many fouls in the second half. Yeah, yeah. So it's choppy. So um, you know, we, you know, we talked about it in the, in the Richmond game. You know, when they lost in the eight ten tournament, um, Mike Rose brought it up as far as those being the Achilles heel. You know, fouling yeah. and, and turnovers and. And, um, you know, it creeped up in a bad spot there. And then it finally, in what turned out to be the final game of the season, creeped up again and kind of ended a VCU season, um, you know, a big, a big factor were those two things. And so um, Wake, Wake Forest went 17 or 23 from the free throw line that second half. And VCU cut the lead to three, three different times in the final, like 11 mm-hmm. 30. Hung around the whole way, right? It never yeah. really felt like until that 10, 11 point margin with a, a minute or two to go that mm-hmm. it, that was the only point that it really felt like they were out of it. Exactly. So, um, so you know, it's one of those things where, you know, like one of those problems, when, when you, you, didn't, you don't rectify those, they're going to continue to bite, and then mm-hmm. they did. And so, um, you know, VC missed out on a, on a chance to go out to, to play at Texas A&M in the, in the, in the quarterfinals, um, ended up finishing the season 22 and 10. Uh, the second 21 season for um, for, for for Mike Rhodes um, and in his fifth season at, at VCU. So um, yeah, just to hop right into I guess the, the overall season outlook. We'll start um, kind of breaking down the season from first to the more optimistic view, um, sort of the things they did well, our glass half full look at it. Um, Which is not hard to look at it in no. a positive. There's a lot of positives. Um, yeah. They outplayed expectations. Yeah. No, um, so there's definitely a lot of positives to come away with here. I agree. Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, Mike Rose said, you know, after the Princeton game and after the Wake Forest game, just about how this group kind of overachieved a little bit. Mm-hmm. You just think about all the questions that were heading into the year. Ace was on the shelf still. Uh, it was looking like he wouldn't be back until January. He came if this back team early. has Ace for the whole year, it's, it's not inconceivable to say that they're in the NCAA tournament. 100%, yeah. Those offensive metrics would have been a lot better yeah. than they were. Um, um, and then, you know, obviously not having Jameer, who's going to be a starter and had a chance to be a, a, a big-time two-way player for them. Um, and so, so yeah, in some instances, they did overachieve. Um, and so, 
you know, with that glass half full look at it, you can't start anywhere else but the defense. <laughs> the defense, you know, arguably the best defense um, that, that VCU has had under Mike Rhodes. Um, they finished seventh in, in Kim Palms, adjusted defensive efficiency stat. Uh, 88.9 um, points allowed per 100 possessions. That matched the 18-19 team, which um, also is one of the, one of Rhodes' top defenses. Um, that that team famously held George Mason to 36 points, and when they, they locked up the regular season mm -hmm. title that year and won like 12 straight heading into the 18 um, 18 tournament. Um, so th this year's defense right up there. I, I remember asking Mike Rhodes about it um, heading into the 18 tournament. He felt like this year's team and 18-19 team, as far as defense, were very similar. But he felt like this year's team was maybe better in the half court, and the 18-19 team was better in the press. Um, but as far as those, some of those metrics, uh, this year's team, for honestly, before um, you know, the last couple of games, they were better uh, in a lot of statistical, statistical categories in that 18-19 team. They kind of slipped in some categories. Um, and so that's why they finished seventh, which matched the 18-19 team and that adjusted defensive, defensive efficiency. But um, this year's team was really playing at a, at a high clip. But some of that three-point defense slipped a little bit late. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that kind of affected some of the numbers. But um, yeah. Played a couple of really good three point shooting teams yeah. late on too. That's probably that's probably part of it. Yeah, in Wake and, and, and Princeton. Very true. Um, and then you know another part of it was the fouling, which yeah. you know with the, with the, with the playing good defense, as, as as Rosa said, you have to do it with discipline. And sometimes you know that kind of that kind of wavers at certain points, and, and teams get put on the line for for the you know for a lot of foul shots. And obviously that in close games uh, like VCU has played a lot of that that makes a difference. And so VCU was 314th nationally with 18.7 fouls per game. And so that's not a number number that you want in that category. You know when VCU is really good? Yeah. It's when they get refs that let them play. And I'm not, I'm <laughs> yeah, not that's blaming true. that on the officiating because yeah. that's always a balance that you have to be aware of. Or some teams are just better at playing without fouling. Yeah. And VCU has not been great at playing without fouling. Mm -hmm. And that's very much a part of that. But you also get different officiating crews that call games differently. Yeah. And VCU really struggles when they get officials who want to call a game tight yeah. and, and call hand checking and stuff like that. And against mm -hmm. Wake Forest, that was it was called pretty tight. It was. It was. And it brought me back to, um, like, uh, the, the battle for Atlantis, where I feel like they made a big impression, even if they were kind of struggling offensively back then. Uh, they made a big impression in the way they defended Baylor and the way they defended UConn. But that UConn game in particular was full of fouls. <laughs> and um, and so, so maybe you say if they had defended – or a foul less or less full in that game, that could have been a close game. Obviously, that game ended up mm -hmm. going to overtime. They lost that game. But um, that, that that played a big part, I think, in, in that. And, uh, and again, playing another uh, sort of high-major team in Wake Forest, they had, had again bit them again in, in, on, on Saturday. So I think the VCU fan base takes a lot of pride in – how VCU plays, that, that might sound obvious, but I think that's one of the biggest glass half full things that I'd come away from. From this season, I mean, we're talking about how good the defense was, and that's very on brand. Mm -hmm. And so even if you didn't necessarily reach the goals that you'd hope for toward the end of the year when this team was so hot, felt like they were capable of, you know, it, it feels like, you know, in that win streak there toward the end of the year, we all had NCAA tournament hopes. Yeah. And now to, to go out in the second round of the NIT feels like a little bit of a letdown. But you also come away, I think, with that sense of pride that you do most seasons as a VCU fan. And, like, this team was still not fun to play. Mm. I imagine if you asked Wake Forest, you know, they would be, that was, like, one of the more, they would say that was one of the more frustrating teams that we played all year. Yeah. Um, because they're so good defensively and there's so much activity and length. Um, and that's definitely a point of pride to come away with in the season. I hope that the team and the coaching staff feels the same way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Michigan that um, Coach Steve Forbes at Wake Forest said after the game that VCU is one of the best teams to come into their arena all year. Yeah. Um, so he definitely he definitely kind of um, praised VCU for the way they play. Uh, it means a lot from an ACC coach. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Especially a team that's that really played as well as they had. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
they look like an NCAA tournament team to me. They got <laughs> yeah, a tough. I I, I, their announcers talking about their resume yeah. a good bit throughout the year. They didn't really have any bad losses. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like an NCAA tournament team to me. I agree. Yeah, yeah. They had just like VCU. They had some work to do heading to ACC tournament, and like VCU losing their first game yeah. to, to BC, that really hurt them. But you say they win one or two more games, they could have been looking at a tournament, um, tournament, tournament picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and their, their turnaround. Um, I didn't go too off on a tangent, but that turnaround was pretty impressive. Um, they brought in some big time transfers, including Williams. And uh, had had a big, big, big turnaround this year. To uh, I think I think I read they were uh, top five seed in the, in the ACC tournament for the first time since 2010, and wow. so that, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. And for the second year, so that, that's a, that was a tough team. And um, so for BC to play the way they did, even with their issues, it was was impressive too. Williams was fun to watch. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a really creative offensive player. Uh, went dunk contest there <laughs> at the end too, yeah. and almost left the door open for yeah. for BC. That was part of the reason it ended up being only a six point margin. Yeah, because um, he had two pretty. He hit the first one and then the second. <laughs> one I think bounced off the back of the room and his coach was not happy but he was a yeah. lot of fun to watch um, yeah. the term in his bag came to mind a few times during that game just yeah. a really creative offensive skill set and a fun player to watch yeah yeah I think he's gonna have he's gonna have a, a bright future at the next level too just because yeah. he's a big guard um, and uh, I think his, his pro future is gonna be bright for sure um, one last point I wanted to throw in about about the defense yeah. um, that that delayed double on the press that mm-hmm. Mike Rhodes loves so much mm-hmm. that can be so effective for VCU even when you don't create turnovers, you speed the other offense up, um, you, you make them initiate their offense with 20 seconds or less on the shot clock, right? And you get the ball out of the primary ball handler's hands mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and it just throws offenses out of rhythm even when you're not creating turnovers. I've seen a lot of high school teams replicate that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Maybe it was something that they were doing before, but in my high school coverage this winter, I saw a lot of local high school teams playing that similar sure. delayed press um, where you're trying to get the ball handler into one of the corners and then yeah. you bring a big to double on them um, and get the ball out of the primary ball handler's hands. And it seems to be really, it's obviously really effective for VCU. And I've yeah. seen a lot of local coaches trying to emulate that. That's interesting, the VCU influence. And I think I think that's a style. Um, one, one thing the coaching staff VCU talked about a lot as far as recruiting, I think that's a style that players mm-hmm. want to play. They want to play yeah. aggressively. Uh, I think it's, it's fun, to, fun to play in, maybe funner than playing in like a zone-heavy system or something mm-hmm. like that because in a system like that, like you're, you get to um, really put your athleticism on display uh, type of thing. And, it's, and I think scoring and transition is funner sometimes than playing mm-hmm. under the half court For as sure. well. So when you're able to create those turnovers, it's, it's a fun style to play. So so I, I think if you're kind of grooming your players at the high school level first, then it helps set you up to go to a program like that. Too. Absolutely. So, so that, that's really cool to see. Um, so kind of off that too, heading to our, our next uh, point as far as the young players that BC mm-hmm. had, um, you know, the three freshmen this year, um, Jay Nunn, Jalen Deloach, and, and Nick Kern, I think we saw some a lot of positive things out of all three. Uh, they led by Jaden because he was kind of, as um, yeah. the staff has said, you know, thrown into the fire to begin with because he he uh, had to step into the starting point guard spot at the beginning of the year with, with uh, Ace still out. Uh, and he, and he, played, he played well for, for a freshman um, he grew up in fast. that spot. Yeah, he really did. Um, and overall, he kind of shifted to that two-guard spot when Ace did come back and still stay in the starting lineup. Which and, definitely fits him better. He yeah. is a two-guard, right? He, yeah. He's he's better when he can play off the ball more. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, as a freshman starting, you know, 28 of his 30 appearances, like, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, he, we saw, I think, him become even more confident the second half of the year as, as a scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned it here before. Uh, you know, his game re- reminds me of Marcus Evans, you know, just the yeah. way he's able to create and score, score in, the, in the mid-range game as well. He's a better three-point shooter, though. Yeah. Then Marcus was. Marcus was yeah. really a mid-range jump shooter that mm-hmm. didn't hit a whole lot of threes. But yeah. but Jaden can can step it out around the perimeter more. Yeah, and, and his handles are very strong too to create yeah. his own shot too, which I think um, 
VCU maybe needed, uh, you know, because Bones was, was a very much a great mm-hmm. off-the-dribble scorer last year. Uh, I think Jaden is going to mature even more into that type of guy. We saw glimpses of that this year. I think that's, that's very important as well. He's definitely your, your get-me-a-bucket guy going into next year, oh, right, yeah. Late, yeah. late in the game um, when you might be struggling offensively and you don't have flow and you're not creating shots just based on your schemes. Mm-hmm. You can just let him ISO. And, and trying to tax someone who can create a basket for you. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, like you said, I think he is that last shot Your guy. Your bailout guy. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was fun to watch his, his progression. And he's, he's a strong defender, too, in that press, yeah. at the top of the press, too. So very, very talented freshman. And then uh, Jan Deloach, um, interior player. I, you know, I was in Deloach and Kern didn't play quite as much as, as none, but Deloach got some quality minutes and had some quality play. Uh, his his uh, offensive rebound percentage uh, led the team, and his defensive rebound percentage was second on the team, just just behind Sean Ward. Really so, showed against Wake too. Yeah. He had some great minutes there in the second half. One hundred percent, and, and he's, he's a very strong finisher at the rim too. We, we've seen him like with guys on him be able to elevate and, and, and uh, you know finish at the rim um, very strongly as well. Uses mm-hmm. his length um, very well, um, and so I think I think that was important for BCU because um, you know just having I think as he continues to, to grow older, being a consistent scorer inside, I think that's something that BCU is always trying to find. Mm-hmm. I think he showed um, glimpses of that this year, too. Um, For so a team that has at times struggled in the rebounding battle yeah. as well, right, over over the year, he was probably a huge piece um, going into next year. What, what was his line? Seven points, eight rebounds. Yeah. For that game, you would expect in 15 minutes, you would expect a lot more lines like that from oh, him yeah. going into next year. 100%. Uh, and he, he could be a guy uh, you know you look to maybe as a potential starter next year, mm-hmm. uh, maybe next to Hassan in the front court, um, looking at the next year. So um, he, he did some really good things. And Nick Kern uh, played a little less, but um, played with a lot of energy though <laughs> in, the, in the minutes that he did get. I think that was uh, one of the like I remember um, Mike Rose talking about. Uh, I believe it was after the Black and Gold game, he felt like Kern was going to easily become a, a fan favorite pretty quickly, and I think he did because mm-hmm. of the, the energy that he played with, like just flying all over the court, playing with great effort. Seems like a VC. You guys. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he, he, he showed that very early. Um, when, when I remember he had an impressive block and transition against Duquesne last month on a, on a mm-hmm. fast break, he like caught up to the guy and, and stuffed him at the basket. So that's, that's a VCU type of play, showing playing with that type of effort. Those chase stuff. down blocks show great defensive instinct, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and athleticism, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so so I think he's going to earn himself more minutes next year in the rotation because of the, that energy that he plays with. That's the type yeah. of thing that, that, that gets you minutes at VCU. So um, I think I think he, his season was very promising, too. What are his – how would you define his skill set? What position is he? Is he – he's a wing, right? Yeah. He's yeah. kind of a tweener? Yeah, I think like a two or a three. Okay. You know? Yeah. Obviously, a lot of times he was kind of backing up Keyshawn, who, who also played the two or the three, depending on who, was, who else was in the game. Um, and so, um, so like, like for instance, against Richmond at the Seagull Center when Keyshawn got hurt, uh, uh, Nick came in and defended Tyler Burden really well. Okay. Uh, came in behind Ke- uh, behind Keyshawn when he when he when he was hurt there. So, it, it, yeah, it's kind of interchangeable. I think either the two or the three, like a, a wing or mm-hmm. you know a bigger guard type of type of guy. So I think he'll slot in maybe most likely at the three moving forward. Okay. Um, as you know, with Ace and Jaden in the backcourt, um, but. Um, but but yeah, he's, he's a versatile guy, which BCU, BCU likes. Like, I think they're more and more mm-hmm. you've seen it with the way they recruited. They like that position to this kind of kind of guys, Absolutely. particularly in the one through three, uh, or one through four. When you look at Vince playing the four as a smaller four too, mm-hmm. uh, so I think I think Nick fits in that to that description as well. Um, 
So talking about Ace too, that's, that's that was our third point under glass half full. Um, I, I think his progression this year, um, you know, was was, was very obviously very apparent. Um, he, as, as Michael said multiple times, it was VCU's rudder yeah. um, this year. Uh, Average eleven point four points up for up from six point seven last year, um, and and just the, the difference was just so noticeable when he came back. Uh, just the way the offense ran, uh, his ability to distribute, um, to get guys involved. Um, but also, I think you saw him balance that pretty well with his, his own ability to score. Just again, mentioning how he averages 11.4 points, which was second on the team, um, too. Um, so so he, he, I think you just saw him become uh, more comfortable um, mm-hmm. being that guy. Uh, like last year, I think he kind of deferred a little bit to Bones. But this year, being more of that guy um, and, and knowing that, I, I, think, I think he saw him become more confident in that. So, so that, that, was, that, was, that was cool to see as well. He and Jaden seems like a, a perfect fit yeah. at the one and the two, right, um, for them to play together a lot in the backcourt going mm-hmm. forward. Um, what are the next steps in Ace's game? I think that we'd like to see progression-wise um, more consistent from three. Yeah, I would think he's a bit of a streaky three-point shooter. Right. Um, but he's a, just a fantastic ball handler and decision maker. Um, not a great game against Wake. Probably one of his worst games of the season. Yeah. Um, and you can see. I think some of the struggles early in the season you could see kind of manifest in that last game that when Ace is not protecting the ball well and not making good decisions um, with directing the offense, then it kind of it it. it Everyone else uh, struggles, and VCU collectively struggles to protect the ball when Ace is not doing that well, and he didn't do that great against Wake, and and yeah. you ended up with what eighteen turnovers for the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, as good of a distributor as he is, and he he'll do some amazing you know passes, amazing dump off. He tries he really get, hard. Get, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he get gets guys some some great shots and great looks. Um, but on the flip side of that, sometimes some of those are a little maybe unrealistic passes or mm-hmm. just passes that are just too ambitious, and that and that's what leads to his high turnover. Um, Rate sometimes as well too. So I, th- I think that is one of those those next steps he can take as he moves into an upper class next year as a junior is is just cutting down on those unrealistic passes and just taking taking what what, what comes to him on a fast break. And, and it's um, a big ask for a young guard yeah. in, in a VCU system where you want to play fast and you want to push the ball. Yeah. Um, you get in a lot of those situations right where you're in transition and and you want to make those you know those passes under the basket to your cutting. Uh, wing and, and and you want to really get flying up and down the court and it's easy to turn the ball over yeah. in those situations so it's mm-hmm. a big ask um and I think collectively you you would say that Ace had a fantastic season mm-hmm. right especially coming back from the injury um but you you would like more consistency in terms of protecting the ball but that's VCU collectively that's yeah. not just Ace but your point guard obviously everyone else kind of mm-hmm. that's that's where it starts protecting the ball yeah yeah and um and you know I think I think we've seen him kind of in an intangible sense kind of um as I mentioned grow grow as a leader I think the guys kind of really look up to him yeah uh, even even um the older guys kind of look up to him and uh, he's kind of that motor for the team and um you know asking Vince about his outlook on next year after Saturday's game he mentioned that he feels like uh, Ace is going to be leading the way mm-hmm. next year um and so just it's that vote of confidence from a senior to a sophomore uh, I think all the guys kind of follow Ace's lead got a lot of respect from his teammates yeah yeah. Yeah, which is big, especially you want that from your point guard. Absolutely. Um, so um, that's huge. Um, which side note, I, I, I want to mention, you know, Vance has left the door open on on, on a possible return. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, uh, you know, he, he's getting a lot of uh, you know, NBA attention right now as far as um, some, some you know, some people looking at him for making a jump to the next level. Um, he obviously has that extra year he can use if he wants. He mentioned after Saturday's game he's going to have to sit down and talk to the coaches about that. Um, 
So that, that avenue is open for him if he wants. He, he obviously had a career this year. Uh, so if I had to guess, I would say he, he, he doesn't come back. But again, that door is still open. And so you, you think about, I think this team is uh, is going to be talented without him. But next year, um, I think with, with, with him, you know, this team has a chance to, to be. Absolutely. The broadcast yeah, talks yeah. a lot about how much he's been in the gym over mm-hmm. the past year and how much he's set an example for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like, I mean, he. On the court, it was obvious, but off the court throughout the year as well, it was clear how much everyone looks up to him mm-hmm. and now how he very much became um, the emotional leader for this team. And I think that his commitment um, is something that I, I would point to that as maybe the key reason that this team outperformed expectations this yeah. year, yeah. right, is, is, is how well Vince played and how much everyone looked up to him and how he set an example mm-hmm. for all the other kids um, on a team that's relatively young outside yeah. of him, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's wishful thinking, you know, to to want him to come back. I I think we all want him to do what's best for him. And if he's getting NBA interest right now, then the best thing for him is probably to make that jump yeah. and capitalize on how great he played this year. Mm-hmm. But man, if he did come back, that's a dangerous team. Yeah, yeah. It's a dangerous team yeah. if he came back. Yeah. Um, so moving ahead to the uh, uh, the not so great things this year, the glass half empty look. At, um, so. Um, got to start just like we started with defense on the glass half full, the glass half empty, just the turnovers. We said we weren't going to say turnovers too many times <laughs> in the show because it's easy to, to, to harp on that. Yeah, but, you know, 15.1 turnovers per game, that's 327th nationally, so Ooh. that's towards the bottom of every team in Division One. What's the total again for it's, teams in Division it's One? Like it's like three, three, 350s. Okay, yeah. so it's not, there's not that many teams that yeah. were worse than them. Yeah, no. Nah. So, so, yeah, you know, Rose, you know, multiple times again called – uh, the turnovers and the fouling in Achilles' heel this year. Um, and so the turnovers hurt on Saturday. They've hurt at different points throughout the year. Um, they've obviously won in spite of those um, for, for many games this year. They had the eight-game win streak mm-hmm. heading into the season, regular season finale at St. Louis. But it just seems like an inopportune times, like against the Richmond the A-10 tournament, like against Wake Forest uh, and the NIT, those types of things creep up. Um, and so in, in, in a one-and-done situation, like you can't, you can't really afford, afford no. that. So Probably a good teaching tool. Though yeah. you would think if you if you asked Rhodes, he would probably say you obviously don't want to end the season that way. Mm-hmm. But when your two big fouling and turnovers, Achilles heels pop up that much in the last game of the season, it's easy now throughout the offseason mm-hmm. to, to point to those um, and to emphasize those in your drills and 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 in your schematic conversations. Um, so hopefully that he's able to, to use that as a teaching tool because it, it really was very obvious in that last game. Because you could have won that game. Yeah. If you just don't give such a good offensive team that many opportunities to get into a rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, one thing going back to even before the season um, that the coaching staff talked about, they wanted their turnover um, rate to be like under 17%, which um, they kind of equate to like around 12 per game, you know, 12, 12 turnovers per game per, or, or less. So, again, sitting right there at 15, that's like three turnovers per game less. So, um, I think that's doable, but. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. I think which they, they and they have done that at points this year. Just mm-hmm. doing it consistently would be the biggest thing. So, like you said, I think it could be maybe a teaching tool heading to next year to work on that maturity of Ace and Jaden in the in, in the backcourt. So those kids have the tools to protect yeah. the ball a lot better. They have the the decision making and the ball handling. So I, the tools are definitely there for this team to not be nearly as bad at turning the ball over. Agree, agree. Um, rebounding. Um, yeah. Reese was next to last in the league in turnover and total rebounds per game. Uh, they were 11th in rebound margin at 1.9, minus 1.9. Um, and so I think we've seen different points throughout the year, too, just allowing teams extra possessions mm-hmm. has hurt them as well, some of those second-chance opportunities. Uh, and so I, I think uh, that's one thing. Just, again, you mentioned Jalen's uh, continued growth. 
Um, as a, he's a really good rebounder, so yeah. you would hope that that activity around the basket is something that can become more prominent as he gets more minutes next year. Right, and Assign, too. Like, uh, Assign had a little bit of a down year. Um, I think part of it was injuries. Like, he yeah. had he I think injured both ankles at different points of the year. Uh, he had a little bit of stretch there where he caught fire, like, late January into February, but it just wasn't necessarily consistent. He has so much length. I think that sometimes he gets pushed around by, by stronger, stockier mm-hmm. bigs. Um, so maybe putting some pounds on in the offseason could help him in that regard. Yeah, Agreed. Um, so, but I, I think they're going to need better rebounding from him too mm-hmm. next year because he's going to be that, that that guy next year too, as far as front front court players as as a senior. So, um, so so they're gonna, they're gonna definitely going to need that for him next year. Um, so. I, I think part of this too. Uh, we're going to get to this later, but they had, uh, you know, three guys so far who are transferring out. Mm-hmm. When you look at um, guys who are going to be coming in to fill those slots, I think they're going to have to get another big, big maybe a la Levi, um, who can who can be that sort of stout presence down low, mm-hmm. or sort of that uh, you know anchor big as they call it, Levi sometimes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that's who they go after. I think they they will need to, um, particularly with Mikel Brown Jones being one of those transfers too. Um, to help help in that rebounding area, so that'd be interesting to follow as well. That one forward. was we're about to touch on that in the next one too, but that yeah. one was disappointing. Marcus Sohonis, um and Jimmy Nichols didn't surprise you. I think that everyone could have seen those coming, right? Yeah. It, it felt like, especially Nichols, it wasn't a great fit all year, and he didn't get a whole lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Marcus had some good minutes there early yeah. in the season when he was filling in for Ace, but then once Ace came back, it kind of slowly trickled away for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael is the really disappointing one. We saw some really promising things from him this year, and I think everyone was was disappointed to see him leave. Yeah, I think we talk about sort of ECU guys. I think he fit that mold as oh, well. Like he was, yeah. Uh, it just, for whatever reason, it just, he didn't have consistent playing time. Um, but he had, he had some big moments. Like I, I think one of the, the standout images when you look at his VCU highlight reel over his two years was that block yeah. of Luka Brockovich uh, was like, uh, you know, this time winding down at Davidson for them to help win that game, mm-hmm. uh, which was a huge win for VCU. And that win was a big reason why VCU was in the NCAA tournament double bubble pitcher to begin with. So so that was a huge play of the season. Um, he had 11, 11, 11 second half points on 11 um, second half minutes against Richmond in the 20-point win they had against them at the Sequel Center. A Davidson team that he, it should be said played well in their one NCAA tournament game, almost yeah. beat Michigan State. Yeah. Um, even though they were one and done, I would say that it was a really good showing for the A-10 for the two teams that were there. Richmond obviously taking down Iowa and mm-hmm. then Davidson looked really good in its one game. Yeah, so. they did. They did. So that yeah, that, that was a huge win, huge play and a huge win. Mm-hmm. For sure, um, and then um, and then he had, he had a career high 15 points against George Mason as well. Um, then again, just like his playing time just wasn't very consistent, um, uh, and, and so um, so yeah, he, he moved on, moving on to another opportunity. We were talking um, about this before the show. That's the frustration with with VCU sometimes, right? When you rotate that many guys, mm-hmm. it can be hard to to really carve out a significant amount of minutes, and sometimes young players get frustrated with that, and that's yeah. understandable. Yeah. Um, I think that. As far as off the court, I mean, everyone really liked Michael in, in the time that he was here, and mm-hmm. you know, all the best to him. It's, it's disappointing to see him leave because it felt like he could have been a really a VCU guy. Yeah. Um, but could really see him taking off and, and being successful yeah. uh, after he transfers and being one of those guys that you look back on and say that was one that got away. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, he, he's, a, he's a Philly native. I'm, I'm uh, curious mm-hmm. if he's going to maybe go back somewhere closer to home, you know, looking to the next move. That'll be interesting to follow. I know St. Joseph's was in his final uh, group of teams when uh, he was committing to VCU. That'd be tough if he yeah. stayed in conference. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but we'll, we'll see. That'll, that'll be interesting to follow. Um, so, yeah, that, that was our final point as far as the transfers that didn't work out, too. Uh, we mentioned Marcus, um, who... 
I think a big adjustment for him was getting used to the defensive system here because coming from Washington, they play, they play a zone system. And so mm-hmm. going from that to not only man-to-man, but like a hyper-aggressive man-to-man at VCU plays, I think that was an adjustment for him early in the year. Plus he had a groin injury early in the year, which I feel like ham- hampered him a little bit as far as um, his shot because he struggled shooting the ball from three early in the year a little bit. Um, he had a little bit of a breakout game against Syracuse in, the, in, the, in Battle for Atlantis. Um, and then I, I think what helped him a little bit too was when he moved off the ball a little bit more when Ace came back. He had some, some, a couple of good games in January, mm-hmm. um, but he just wasn't consistent. And then his playing time kind of took a nosedive late in the year, only yeah. played two minutes at Wake Forest. Um, Jaden's emergence was was a big part yeah. of his minutes dipping. Right, Jaden played so well that you just you couldn't keep him off the court mm-hmm. as I, the season wore on. I think so too. Yeah, that, that was that was a big part of that. I agree, I agree too. And um, then Jimmy Nichols Jr. He, he, he came. We talked about before the show too. He had a lot of physical tools. It's an interesting um, and kind of confounding case. Yeah, it's t- tough to put a finger on why he didn't work out. Why he didn't work out in his few years at Providence. You said there was some injury issues at Providence, right? Yeah, yeah, had injury history like uh, his last year at Providence. He missed the last several games because of uh, eye surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had some, some other injuries early in his career as well. and missed some time. But he was a guy I know, I know VCU was excited about because um, he, he, he kind of fits the mold of a VCU guy. Physical he's, tools are really there. Yeah. He's an exciting athlete. He, uh, I think his freshman year, he had like 27 blocks. Um, and then uh, he shot the ball pretty well from three his junior year before he transferred. Mm. Um, so as far as versatile bigs, he had that, that tool set. It just, for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. And the um, vast majority of the limited playing time he did get was earlier in the year. He only played eight games, only played one 18 game against Dayton uh, mm. in February, uh, which was interesting because that one game, he played eight minutes. He had three blocks in eight minutes. And that one game he played in an 18. Um, but then he didn't play at all the rest of the year. He wasn't even dressed um, uh, at Wake Forest. That's and, such a confusing to flash, like with yeah. that exciting and 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 get a few blocks in such a short time span, yeah. and then just nothing after that. I think that's a good example of the type of player that he was at VCU. He was just confounding. It yeah. seems like there was potential there, but he just never got enough minutes. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's tough to put a finger on what that is. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like I think it's just maybe a, um, a product of the environment of of you know just college basketball in general. Just like um, you know, there's a lot of a lot more transfers and which means mm-hmm. when there's a lot more transfers that means there's gonna be a lot more that, that don't work out you know because you, you know for a guy like marcus who came across the country um to you know he's a west coast guy it feels Portland like native. free agency it does these days doesn't it yeah and so um you know you can't you can't i don't know there's no i don't think there's no party necessarily at fault you know in any no. situation because you know um a, a guy wants to see if it's a good fit you see if i like it was a good fit for both these guys and, and obviously it turned out for probably both parties it didn't work out and so and marcus contributed yeah. I, I, especially early in the season like we talked about when when ace was out um he certainly served a purpose and mm-hmm. i think that there's probably no hard feelings there yeah. um with him departing and just moving on to his next challenge um, Jimmy is more is more confounding because that obviously didn't really work out, and he mm-hmm. never really had a, a extended stretch of time where he served a purpose for this team. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those guys that you hoped felt like a perfect VCU reclamation project, yeah. right? Um, and so that's that, that's there are a lot of reasons why that one's frustrating. All the best to both of those guys, yeah, though. We hope 100%. that um, that that they find the right next step in their careers. For sure, for sure. Um, and so looking ahead, uh, you know, again, Michigan three transfer that, that's three open scholarships. So it'd be yeah. interesting to see who they feel. You know, I touched on. You know, I think for sure you're gonna have to get a, another big, maybe a bigger big. The transfer market is fun. It almost feels like it makes me think of soccer. Yeah. I'm an Arsenal <laughs> fan. You're a Manchester United fan. Yeah. And, um, in the uh, um, in the summer and in the January transfer window, it almost feels like we're getting to that point with college basketball where the transfer portal is like the same thing as the transfer market. Yeah. And it's exciting to look at all the the new pieces that are out there because. Mm-hmm. 
the grass isn't always greener, but there's always the rose-colored glasses, right? Yeah. In that time, in that um, span where you think about people moving to new destinations mm -hmm. and you start to, you know, paint a picture of how they can succeed. So it'll be fun to, to look at that perspective uh, transfer options for VCU this offseason. Yeah, 100%. And obviously, everyone comes with optimism, too, like just yeah. like Jimmy and Marcus did last year. So that's kind of reason for um, that makes it exciting as well. Because like, oh, the guy who like he did what, where? Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of adds to a little bit of the uh, interest heading to next year, too. Who's so. the one that I was so uh, medley bacon? Oh, yeah. Okay, I was so yeah. excited about him. So it seemed like he had yeah. all the physical tools. It was this huge big. And then that seven one, footer. Yeah, that one did not work. Out. Yeah, no, no. no. But you know, yeah, you know that's that's part that's part of the, the transfer market. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be fun to follow. The you can strike gold sometimes too. Yeah, hundred percent. So we'll see if they, they are. But the two guys who are already inked, um, the two freshmen, yeah. um, two really exciting guys. Very. Uh, we'll start with the local guy, Alfonso Billups, um, class four state player of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you saw him play uh, play, and um, you know he's top top one hundred recruit. Um, yeah. You know he, he can do a little bit of everything. Right, versatile guy, six seven. Um, so, uh, what kind of maybe stood out the most to you from seeing him play? Well, it was cool to see him play at the Siegel Center. Mm -hmm. First of all, because I saw him play recently in the class four state championship game. He's the class four player of the year um, for Verina. Um, which won a football state title and then went and won a basketball state title, and they're the first uh, local public school to do that in the same school year. Yeah. So uh, amazing year for them. So much talent over in the East End. Um, and Billups is such a perfect example of that. He does a little bit of everything. He seems like the Vince replacement mm. to me that he would step into Vince's shoes. I think he could play a lot as a freshman mm. right off the bat and get significant minutes because he's a really mature player. I When I interviewed him earlier in this season, mm. I'm and I was talking to Michael Phillips, our editor, about this after the game. He, um, I asked him what your pro comparison was, and he said LeBron James. Okay. And so ev everyone, and Michael was saying, well, yeah, everyone in our generation <laughs> says you know, they want to be like LeBron James. And that's yeah. absolutely true. Mm -hmm. But there really are, when you see him play, I'm not comparing him to LeBron James. But there's similarities in the fact that he affects the game in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, awesome activity defensively, so you really see why there's VCU interest. Um, he can bring the ball up the floor. Mm -hmm. um, he can shoot it. Uh, Verina was deep and had a lot of guys that contributed, but he was the guy that when they needed to break a run, um, when they needed a bucket, everyone knew to put the ball in his hands. Mm. Um, so a lot of command um, of that team, of a deep, talented team. Um, honestly, that kind of plays, I think, similar to how VCU wants to play. Um, so it, it seems like a pretty seamless transition for him, for me, from Verina to VCU. Um, late in that game, he had uh, one of his teammates uh, through an alley-oop off the backboard to him in the state championship game and it was a, it was a blowout game yeah. I think it was like a 20 something point game at that point um, and he, then there was a timeout after that and he looked up to the crowd and said this is my city uh -huh. um, so that, that was his celebration I think I led with that yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Um, and it's awesome to see a local kid going to play at VCU already showing out on the Seagull Center floor mm -hmm. um, I think it's super exciting for everyone locally um, the sky's the limit for him man he could be so good there was one moment early in that game um, where it was kind of a choppy start to the game um, and I think it was Loudoun County is the team they were playing. They were up early, um, and Verona kind of needed to settle the game down, and Billups backed his guy down. And you could just tell that it was one of those moments where he was like, all right, everybody settle down. I'm going to take command here. He backed his guy down, drew a help defender on the weak side, mm -hmm. and then had a really nifty little kind of over-the-back pass um, to a cutting teammate under the basket. And that was one play where he was a creator and that he wasn't a creator for his teammates a whole lot of that game because he was the one that needed to take on the scoring responsibility. Yeah. But I think that that's the most exciting thing that I see in his game mm -hmm. is that potential to really be like a point forward, point wing. Mm -hmm. He's a 3-4 hybrid um, that can do a little bit of everything on the floor. And he has that creative ceiling mm -hmm. um, to really create for his teammates and be a super exciting offensive player. 
Um, he said that his favorite thing to do on the court is chase down blocks. Um, then he had a couple of them in that game too, um, and his activity defensively is awesome. I'm sorry, I, I'm talking for a while here. Oh, no. <laughs> for a while, <laughs> incredibly exciting player. Yeah. Be excited, Ram Nation. Um, I, I, I can't. He's a candidate for All Metro Player of the Year. We're still in that decision making process, but Class Four State Player of the Year for a state championship team. Um, he's one of the best players in the state, and we asked the Loudoun County coaches and players after that game, and they were like, "Yeah, that's one of, if not the best players we've ever played against." Wow. Uh, yeah, that, that, that speaks volumes. And, yeah, I, I, I think it's just exciting, like you touched on, too, um, a local guy going mm-hmm. to VCU. There hasn't been a ton in recent history. Um, back but, to Brandon Roselle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you he know. I, state title at Highland Springs in 2007 and then went to VCU. Yeah, and it's just really cool because it's like the, the next generation because Brandon is on staff at VCU. Mm-hmm. So now he'll get a chance to work with um, with Alfonso. So that, that's really cool to see. And I think I think it's, the city, it's easy for the city to, and for the fans to get behind those guys who are, who are Mm-hmm. You know, from from the area. So some people may have heard Fats Billups yeah. as well, but there's still the jury's kind of still out there because <laughs> uh, most of his teammates call him Fats, and mm-hmm. that was his nickname as a baby. Um, but when I interviewed him, when I talked to his coach too, his coach said that he's trying to push for Alf because he's not. It's like you know, it's a childhood nickname yeah. that he's maybe not a huge fan of. Right. Um, so I don't want to make a definitive statement on that one way or the other. A lot of people call him Fats, yeah. but from what I've heard from him, that's not his nickname of choice. So uh-huh. I'm not—I don't think it's going to be like a bone situation. Mm. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. A lot of people do call him Fats. So yeah. if you hear Fats Billups, and that's that's Alfonso Billups. Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold off on calling yeah. <laughs> calling him Fats <laughs> when he gets to VCU. <laughs> We're let him make that. Yeah. People yeah. Should, like it's on my nerves sometimes, right? People like nicknames get impressed on people. I know. I don't yeah. know. You should be able to pick your own nickname. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Be a you decision. VC has had some cool nicknames over yeah. the years, though. So between Ace and Bones, and, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's, so, but uh, I'm totally if, if uh, he doesn't want to be called fast, I totally get that too. <laughs> uh, did Doug Brooks? Did he have a nickname? Doug, was, I, I feel like Doug, I, it, I thought of Doug. Maybe just it was Dougie. Doug, or something yeah, Dougie. Like that. I think, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I think of him as one of the more fun players with a big persona, right? Who's yeah. worthy of some sort of nickname. Yeah, it was that game. Um, when he wore uh, the, like the hat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the winter hat, yeah. And there, there's like a Papa John's commercial of him wearing the hat now with uh, Robbie Robinson. That's uh, from, awesome. From um, the radio. So. All-time VCU personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other other uh, other spot. Um, we digress. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, of course, of course, VCU had two two spots for freshmen this year with um, Vince and Keyshawn as seniors. So the other spot that they filled last year was with Christian Furman, who was a bigger um, – more of a front court player on six ten from uh, Pennsylvania. Um, Super po- exciting measurables. I don't know yeah. a lot about him. Yeah, well, he's he's also a versatile um, big as far as like he can do a lot of things offensively as well. Um, but then he has that size too at six ten. Uh, I think they're gonna probably like want him to get a little bit bigger. He's, he's only two hundred pounds. Okay. Um, but uh, he was uh, talking about rebounding. He he set this school all time career record and for re- career re- rebounds this year with seven hundred fifty three in his career. Um, Perhaps something that they identified in recruiting between Jalen yeah. and Christian that they needed to emphasize a little bit in those couple classes. Yeah, 100%. Um, and he's also a top 100 guy, too. So this class, just between those two guys, is really stand out. He's 93 in the 2.7 sports composite rating uh, for the, the entire um, 2022 class. So. Do you remember another VCU class with two top 100? Guys, no, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to yeah. make a definitive statement on that, yeah. but I don't remember one. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't either. Um, so, so uh, VC is definitely recruiting at, at a high level. I think just successful the past couple of years, mm-hmm. they're kind of starting to get more of these types of guys. Uh, uh, I think, I think, I think 
staff continuity helps with that because you saw maybe the type of guys that uh, Shaka and his staff were getting, um, and then um, you know like like uh, you know second year of Wade, and then like now the staff is in place for five years. They've, they've kind of established themselves, and now mm-hmm. they're starting to get to get get more to those types of guys. So they seem to be really good at identifying their guys early yeah. and, and building those relationships. I know they talked a lot about Ace mm-hmm. um, when his his family he did he lo- he lost his father. I believe yeah, right. Yeah. His family was going through a, a traumatic time, and and they were talking about it on the broadcast during the Wake Forest game because Ace was a big recruit. He mm-hmm. had some other big offers, um, and and they talked about the reason that he chose VCU was they were just always checking up mm-hmm. on him to see how he was doing and make sure his family was hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome to see from a guy Mike Rhodes that I think a lot of us think of as a player's coach. Mm-hmm. You know, for that to be a really strong recruiting strategy for them is mm-hmm. is really building those relationships and yeah. um, it, it being a human being relationship, not just a basketball relationship. Right. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I talk to guys after they commit uh, and ask them why they pick VCU, one of the things it seems like every single guy says is, is that uh, VCU was calling me more than everybody That's else. What Alfonso said, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and, it, and that it wasn't just and the assistant coaches, like Rose was calling me, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jamal Brown was calling me, Jetty Byers was calling me, Brent Scott was calling me. So, you know, guys that they want, they, they really work hard on it too. And so it's that that work ethic. I think as even though A10 is like a high mid-major league, if you want to call it that, like even still being a mid-major and you're competing against the UVAs and Virginia Techs mm-hmm. and whoever else. And a lot of the guys they bring in have a lot of Power 5 offers too. Um, to that point, can we bring back the UVA home and home? Oh, a series. I know, I, it's I been a few years now yeah, that's been off. I have a lot yeah. of friends who went to UVA. And I, that's so much fun. And yeah. I think it's just good for basketball in the state mm-hmm. when, when UVA and BCU play. So. Yeah. I don't know whose ear we have to get in about that, but we need to bring that back because that's a lot of fun. Well, the last time they played a couple of years ago, which was like, I'll never forget because it like snowed and I was like treacherous yeah, driving back yeah, from, yeah. from UVA for that game up at UVA. But after that game, it was it was said that uh, they want to continue to play. They just mm-hmm. haven't, I guess, put it in place. Both since Tony then. and Mike have, have expressed um, support for, for making that a regular thing. Right? Yeah, and even when they, when they don't play, they usually, a lot of times, they'll um, do the, the closed-door scrimmages before the mm-hmm. year against UVA. Maybe too. that's why they haven't played over yeah. the last few years, too, is because they want to almost have that closer relationship of doing the closed-door scrimmages before the, the season starts. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I, I want to see, like, uh, this is going off my tenure. I want to see VCU play, like, UVA more, Virginia Tech more. Definitely like, Tech like, more. Te- yeah. The Tech UV, this is tangential, but the, the Tech VCU series is fascinating. Yeah. They have played once in my lifetime. Mm. And it was 2013 when, I think, when Richmond came, uh, or uh, when Tech came to the Richmond Coliseum. Oh, yeah, and the, there was, like, the Governor's a, Classic, I There think? was a tournament, yeah, 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 yeah. In, in Richmond. Um, and, and VCU won that game pretty handily. And that's the only time I'm born in 1995. That's the only time they've played in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need more VCU Tech games. Yeah, I agree. Tech's in a great spot right now with Mike Young. And so yeah. those, those would be really exciting games. Yeah, yeah. So I hope, hope, hope that can, uh, uh, subjectively, hope that can get on the schedule. Yes, sure. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm just a fan. Like, I was being a Virginia native, too. I'm a yeah. fan of, of in-state games. Like, I think it's just more fun. Like, that's why, uh, even though they're not in the same conference anymore, the VCU ODU game is always mm-hmm. exciting to watch. Just, Absolutely. I think, in-state people enjoy seeing those in-state matchups, so I'm always... Mason's at, always fun. That's kind of a fun rivalry with, exactly. I think, a good bit of respect there. Yeah, so I'm always an advocate for in-state games. So if you're listening, the schedule makers... Yeah, whoever we, whoever <laughs> yeah. we need to get into. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, kind of moving on to wrap up here, we kind of uh, had a verdict on, on the year. Um, to me, I just feel like this year, you know, we talked about they kind of overachieved. I think this is kind of a season of what could have been. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you talk about um, going going all the way back to like uh, like Bones committing for the draft early. Like like um, obviously, that, that, you know, that was a great move for him. He, you know, and he is cool to, very very cool to see what he's doing in the NBA. But I think at the time, people were kind of surprised at that, and you would have maybe would have guessed that he would have at least come back for one more year. So you think, okay, this this team this year with Bones with a healthy ace uh, with Jameer Watkins, like um, just just maybe that team could have. Made a deep run in the NCAA tournament if it had Bones and Jameer on it this year. Yeah, yeah. So you, you rewind back to a year ago this time, just maybe the outlook on this season back then. Then I, I think that's that's part of maybe the season of what could have been. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but Bones in April, of course, declared for the draft, and, and obviously doing very well with the Nuggets now. Just Watching like, him play a two-man game with Nikola Jokic the other <laughs> night, that was just, that's still awesome, so awesome to watch that he's yeah. just stepped right in and contributed to the extent that he has. It was very fun to see him play so well in uh, Philly um, too. Mm-hmm. That was like his homecoming game. And uh, I saw uh, Mike Singer at Denver Post reported that he had like six or seven hundred people there as That's far as awesome. family. So that was cool to see. Um, and so, and so that, that was one one thing. Uh, and then you know, uh, the next month, unfortunately, Ace suffered his Achilles injury. That was like late May. So that was another thing, um, which ended up going about as well as it could as far as him getting back and yeah. being able to contribute for much of the season. Right. Uh, that was one thing. I think back then, just because we know how Achilles injuries goes, for some guys, it's a year long injury. Yeah. So we weren't sure exactly how long he was going to be out. Again, like you said, that went probably as well as it could have. Man, um, modern medicine, though. Guys are, <laughs> guys are coming back quicker and quicker, it seems, yeah. um, from those Achilles injuries. Um, it's not the death knell on your career. I'm thinking of like NFL running backs that yeah. we've seen come back from it. Um, so from football to basketball and other sports, it doesn't seem to be like the, mm-hmm. the death sentence on your career that it used to be an Achilles injury, that it could be even for young college athletes, that it could be a career ender. Yeah. We're seeing more guys come back from it these days. Yeah. And Ace, like, he showed, even at the beginning, like, he was on a minutes restriction. But I think the first game he played, he played, like, over 20 minutes. Yeah, it didn't seem and, like a bunch of restriction. And, uh, and um, like, I don't think at any, any time this year he showed any ill effects. So that's great to see. Uh, he's able to come back pretty much at probably about almost as close to 100% as possible. He's a great kid, too. Yeah. It just seems like everyone loves playing with him and coaching him. And, and yeah. I've only heard good things about his influence off the court on everybody else. Yeah, 100%. So that was one thing, unfortunately. Jameer, you know, we fast forward to um, the ball. He, got, he gets hurt. Jam McCaffrey gets hurt. At the same time, you know, of what could have been, they still were nearly in position for their legacy and title. Yeah. One went away, um, losing to St. Louis. Um, potentially one, probably two wins away from um, maybe making the NCAA tournament if they had make it, made it to the A-10 final. Mm-hmm. So that's what could have been there. Uh, so just in multi-facets or multiple facets is just kind of what, what could have been. But I guess you could say that's every season, but I think it's VCU was so close to kind of accomplishing some of those major goals as far as the regular season title, as far as uh, making the NCAA tournament, but it just kind of slipped with it from the grasp a it's little bit. It's difficult to evaluate, right, when yeah. you do exceed expectations, but you also get so close to what is at the end of the day the, the the big goal every year for VCU basketball, right? That's where this program is at. It's getting into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, and if you get into the NCAA tournament, then I think of the season as a success. And if you don't, I think of it as a failure. Yeah. And I think that that's, where, that's maybe not a fair precedent mm-hmm. to be set on a program of this size, but that's where it's at because of the success in the last couple of decades. Yeah. Um, and so it's difficult to evaluate because you got so close to that yeah. goal and you felt like you were a game or two away from it. But at the same time, you outperformed expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot to be proud of with a young group this year. Um, I think back to the Richmond game at the at the Seagull Center with how well they played in that second half. Um, this young group played fantastic against some teams that, in, in that instance that were a lot more experienced than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a young group that grew up fast 
Um, and I think you can take a lot of pride um, and a lot of optimism in what those young kids can do going forward. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So this is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be, uh, again, with the transfers, it's going to be a busy offseason. We might um, have to do some offseason shows. Yeah, we uh, should. We, we should. a few transfers, yeah, that we, we might should. have to kind of throw them in there and, and, and talk about that. Because it, it is, the transfer portal is, is exciting. It's almost like free agency these days. So maybe yeah. we, can, we can get a chance to talk about that going forward. We should, 100%. So uh, you can follow all those happenings. Uh, and also make sure to follow Zach's excellent preps coverages as well oh, thanks, at, at richmond.com slash sports um, thank you for watching this season uh, we can't wait maybe for all season show but uh, definitely uh, next season as well thank you